Amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, which you should, if you got your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Exodus. Uh, we roughly, we'll roughly begin around chapter 11 as we approach Christmas. Amen, I'm ready for Christmas. This exact group of scriptures is, is actually a timely place to be. We, we are at the end of the plagues and at the cusp of a new season and the beginning of the, the great exodus, right? However, what causes the beginning of the exodus is the Passover. And you know what? I, I hadn't read this in such a long time, and it was good to refresh myself a bit. Uh, I think it was good to see it with a new set of eyes, so to speak. And uh, I think it will be good for us also this morning as, as well. So let's begin. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 11. Like I said, we'll just start right there at the, at the first verse. Uh, if you're there, say amen. All right. Well, I'm going to give you just a few seconds or so to get there. Exodus 11 verse 1. All right. Are we there? Amen. Amen. All right. Good. Now, now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, that is what the Lord says about midnight. I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well, there will be a loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark or any person or animal. You will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All of these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all, all the people who follow you, after that I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. The Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. Let's pray this morning before we get going here. Father, this is such a difficult thing to talk about, a difficult time, um, uh, just a lot of things to navigate through, Lord. And we just want to make sure, God, that we do it in a way that brings you glory, that exalts your name, God, and that also uh, will allow this word to go out and be heard, God. Father, we give you all the praise for it this morning in Jesus' name. And the whole house says amen. Well, it's a new season is waiting for the children of Israel. But standing between them and this new season is this last final plague, one that will bring great pain upon the Egyptians. We aren't given an exact number that die, but we can only assume it's probably hundreds of thousands, and it's possible that it's millions, since Egypt really was a great nation at the time. And this all sounds horrible, yet we can still see the mercy of God extended upon Pharaoh uh, and his stubbornness. We see it in, in the fact that it is only the firstborn. God could have allowed more to be killed, 
If you're going to challenge him, if you're going to stand in defiance of him, or how about this no, uh, uh, analogy? If you're going to get between a father and his children, you had better be ready for some sort of anger and trouble. After all, of course, Egypt is going to weep and moan about this loss to their kids. It is the very same attachment that is at the heart of God and Israel. Also, I'm not sure this is what Moses wanted either, right? I don't, I don't think he wanted this, right? It's easy to imagine him extremely frustrated with this man who he once called brother. Look back at verse 8. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Why is he angry? Maybe because it didn't have to go this far. I don't think it was ever the intention of Moses to make Egypt pay in such a way. He most likely kept thinking at some point, how is Pharaoh, man, how's that guy not relenting, right? It's not like he wasn't given a ton of chances. And maybe before we judge Pharaoh, I wonder how many of us are so hard-hearted that we miss out on all the opportunities of the Lord to end up being taught a lesson the hard way. I know for one thing's for sure, I'm pretty sure I fall into that category. There are just too many times I relate to the villains of the Bible more than I care to admit. It's, it's that exact thought that cautions me to read this with humility, to not think of myself smarter or wiser or less stubborn at times than Pharaoh. It's in these moments of great change and, and, and often great pain that huge seasonal change begins. Things are about to be different for Israel. They're about to receive freedom. And guys, it's a freedom they haven't known. Right now, it's an idea, a concept, something to be grasped at, but they haven't lived it. Remember, at this point, there isn't a single person in Israel that hasn't grown up in slavery. Their mindset about life isn't the same as even yours and mine. I, I can't imagine what they even thought they were going to find beyond the cultural boundaries of Egypt. Regardless, it's a new beginning upon them. Exodus 12, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. So Moses leads them through some specifics on how they're to get their things ready. The Lord is very specific here in what they can take, what they can eat, and even how they're supposed to eat. Every precaution has been made. God's left nothing unturned, right? I mean, God has, uh, has Moses tell the children of Israel, what is about to happen and how the firstborn of both the Egyptian people and their animals will die that very night and that this day will be a day that you'll remember forever. Verse 14 there in chapter 12, this is the day you are to commemorate. For generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So God gave Moses the time he needed to make preparations for what was about to happen. These preparations would become annual festivals meant to be passed down from generation to generation. The people knew that this was a big deal just because of all the instructions that were handed out, right? They were, they were to become, these were to become the new traditions to represent a new life and a new season for Israel. However, between them and their new season was a more sets of instructions, right? Verse 21 through 23 then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. 
take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood of the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on the, both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Huh. The salvation of Israel would be the Passover lamb. It would be the blood of the lamb that would cause the Lord to pass over their house, ultimately granting them pardon and redeeming their household. And can't you see what obviously God's setting up? The very plan that God had enacted from Genesis 3 at the fall of man was starting to take shape and form. And guys, plan A was always the plan. There was never a plan B. Jesus has always been the plan. This very moment should remind you so much of your life, of every Christian's life, between you and the life of freedom lies the blood of the Lamb. It's this very experience that makes us relate to Israel at this very moment. Remember what John the Baptist said when he first met Jesus, John 1, 29? He said this, behold the what? He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 1, around verse 18, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Mm. He was chosen before the creation of the world. We see this show up here in Exodus, and it was fully made known to us in the Gospels. Jesus is the Passover lamb, the lamb who has come to atone for our sins, to redeem us into a true freedom that we've never known. We were once held captive to sin, but no longer. We are free men and free women. Our greatest need today, and maybe this is for another sermon, is to learn how to live in this newfound freedom without falling back into slavery. And we'll reserve that one really for another time. It's a monumental day for the Israelites. Looking back at Exodus 12, 26, it reads, And when your children ask you, what's this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them. It's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And guys, we're still reading about this story today because they passed it down to their kids and their kids passed it down to their kids. And this is the way of discipleship. So we're here, right? We're here finally at the moment of Pharaoh's breaking point, Exodus 12, verse 31. It says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go. Worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said we will all die. So death has come and Pharaoh finally relents. His hardened heart is the cause of his own demise. His stubbornness didn't just cost him. It cost everyone in his nation, all of his people. In a single night, the children of Israel went from slaves to freedom. Let's put this into some perspective. 
they went from living 430 years of slavery to the Egyptians to freedom in a single night. I mean, come on, that's, that's pretty dramatic, right? But that's how it happens, isn't it? We go from slave to free in Christ, and we are beckoned by God to never return back, right? Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And that's the hard part, right? If you've, if you've never known freedom, how do you behave once you get it? I mean, for 430 years, Israel had lived the life of a slave. And slavery creates a mentality on, on that would eventually cause issues to rise up in the next season. And so this story is far from over. And guys, it's far from easy. You could argue staying in Egypt was easier than life in the wilderness. But if you don't go through the wilderness, then you never see the promise. Let me say that again. If you don't go through the wilderness, then you never see the promise. However, it's the wilderness parts of life that often have people returning to slavery. My hope, at least for those types of people, is found in verse 42 of chapter 12 in Exodus there. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. The Lord kept vigil, which is to say the Lord stayed the course. The Lord finished what he started. He committed himself to resolve and redeem his people, and he did not rest until it was fully done. And this is where our comfort arises. Act the character of God who is restless to redeem us even to the point of pouring out Jesus on the cross. Jesus, our Passover lamb, who comes to us even now and says in Luke twenty-two twenty, the cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Listen, to drink of this cup is to bring honor where honor is due. And this morning, we're going to take communion and bring honor where honor is due. And we will remember the Father and all his glory in Egypt, just like we remember the Son, the Passover Lamb, whose blood is poured out for all of mankind in the hope that those who apply the blood to themselves will be passed over. Their time in slavery is done. They now can enjoy freedom because they have been redeemed and reconciliated. They have been given grace and are enjoying the mercy of forgiveness. Praise God, praise God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord. And as we get ready to take communion, God, we ask that, uh, Lord, you help us in, in the remembering, God. Just as they, you passed down the covenant of remembering to the uh, uh, Israelites after their time in Egypt, God, may we pass down this uh, communion to our kids and to our kids' kids that we remember, God, what you did for us on the cross, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, God loves you. You know I love you too. Let's get ready for communion.